Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You know what, Dan? I've been watching a lot of Voyager lately. I don't know why. It's just for some reason I get caught up into something, you know, one of the series, and that's like that's my thing. That's my thing for the moment. It's funny. This has kind of been a bit of a year of Voyager for me as well. And I, I think where I'm re- noticing it is on literary treks. We've been doing a lot of Voyager novels lately. There's, there's a lot of Voyager in the air right now. I think that has something to do with it, that, that we're doing some Voyager novels. It's the 25th anniversary. And, you know, I just like the other day, I just found myself watching all these interviews with Kate Mulgrew, even stuff that she wasn't even talking about Star Trek. Just listening to her being interviewed on stuff. It's just, yeah, Voyager's the thing right now for me, but, you know, all Star Trek is for me, you know, but just I'm focusing on Voyager right now. So welcome everyone to Positively Trek, and I'm Bruce Gibson, and that was Dan Gunther, who was just like saying what a great Voyager thing is, you know, whatever. Um, I don't know what I'm saying. But, you know, that's one of the things we want to talk about today. We've got a few things we want to go through. We're going to talk about some videos of Star Trek that we've seen on YouTube, and we have a special guest for one of them. So we'll save that a little later. But while we're talking Voyagers, one thing I was seeing on trekmovie.com today, and it's an interview with Brian Fuller. He was on a podcast recently. It was on the Inglorious Trekspert's podcast. Have you listened to that podcast before, that, that series of shows? I'm sad to say that I haven't. I've heard them come up a few times, though, of, you know, being a podcast that a lot of people really like. And I do have to say I am adding this episode into my podcast queue. And and I want to give this a listen because this is really fascinating. Yeah, I want to listen to this, too. I I don't listen to this podcast regularly. I have listened to it a few times, uh, some of their episodes, but I, I should probably put it in my rotation. But Gosh, you know, with listening to Positively Trek and Literary Treks, there just isn't a whole lot of time. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, no, I don't even listen to our shows. Oh, I shouldn't even say that because we do them. I don't really have to listen to them because I already know what we talked about because I was was there, you know? Well, I mean, you edit Literary Treks and I edit Positively Trek. So like, for example, last week's episode with Crystal Allen, I think I listened to it probably about four times total <laughs> because of the editing I had to do for that one. So I'm sure your experience is similar. So, you know, there's only so much of us that we can take. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. That's what my wife says, too, about me. There's only so much she can take. So this is interesting to me. And again, I haven't listened to the interview. I've just read what was on trekmovie.com. And I don't know if I'm going to really read all this. There's several quotes that are taking, uh, taken from the podcast and written here. In essence, Brian Fuller's talking about when Voyager was on, what was kind of happening behind the scenes and the different directions that they could have taken the show. But it's all it's proven what I've always suspected, and that was that the studio, the the heads of Paramount, uh, the UPN network probably was involved in this. There, you've got this new series on, and they probably want to get as close as TNG as possible because TNG was such a hit, and it's now off of TV. They're going on to movies, and they want the next TNG. So they're trying to make it more TNG and less Deep Space Nine. 
And when you set up a show that has these Maquis officers, they kind of abandon that quickly. Yeah, there's a lot of really eye-opening things in this article about things like that. Like things that I've thought as a Star Trek fan that like, oh, it's really too bad they didn't do this or didn't do that. And, you know, it's not that they didn't have the ideas to do those things, but in some cases, the directive kind of came from on high that they weren't allowed to. So, for example, like you say, the Maquis officers, that was supposed to be a long simmering conflict kind of between the Starfleeters and the Maquis officers that, like you said, got resolved pretty quickly. And it sounds like that was, you know, an executive producer level decision, not, you know, necessarily the writers of the show. Which is a bit disappointing to me because I remember when Voyager premiered, I was really wanting, okay, this is, I want this to be a different Star Trek. They're going to a different part of the galaxy. We have the Maquis crew. This will be different. But I remember at the time, shortly after it started, after, you know, midway through the first season, I just kept feeling like this just feels like it's just another crew. Like I wanted something different. That's what I liked about Deep Space Nine, that it was different than TNG. TNG is its thing. Deep Space Nine is its thing. I wanted more for Voyager. And I didn't, and it's not that I don't like Voyager. I do like Voyager, but I just felt like there were so many opportunities they could have taken advantage of that I didn't see really happening all that often. And it, I did suspect that they were probably afraid to because this was launching a brand new network. UPN network, which has now evolved into the CW. But I can see where there's a lot of pressure of we want to be TNG 2.0. That's what I feel like they were trying to go to. And reading this, it's like the creators wanted to go and do more serialized stories and go in different directions and be sci-fi heavy at times where the studio and the executives and Rick Berman were just like, no, you know, just, just make, just make a Star Trek episodic show, you know, just do a Star Trek show, you know? And it's, it's kind of disappointing because the cast is so good and I just want more from them. Yeah. And I think the, the biggest thrust of this, you know, discussion and the article at Trek movie about it is really the two-parter episode year of hell and how they talk about, how that was meant to be like a season long arc. It was truly supposed to be a year of hell and it's, it's too bad. Like I, I don't want to sound too negative about Voyager because like you, I like Voyager. I enjoy watching it. I've rewatched it a number of times, but to read something like this, it really looks to be kind of the series of missed opportunities. I can understand the hesitation to do something that's, you know, wildly different or, you know, maybe some experiences on Deep Space Nine scared them off a little bit. You know, they wanted to play it a little safer and do a little more like TNG. You know, I, I, I would have liked them to push the envelope a little bit, especially with some of these ideas that they're saying here. Brian Fuller is saying that they had for the show, which I think would have been incredible if they'd have been allowed to do them. I think Year of Hell for a year would have been fantastic. It's, yeah, it's pushing that envelope. It's taking us into new territory. And thankfully, at least we got it as a two-part episode, but for a whole season and it sounds like you know they're going to separate the crew and they'd have one episode focusing on a couple of members of the crew because they're all separated out into different you know escape pods or shuttles and then another episode will focus on another couple of the crew members and it just sounds really interesting to me and it's just uh, i wanted i want more of that or 
at least then I wanted more of that. But see, that's again the difference of, you know, when Deep Space Nine, I think they pretty much left them alone because it was in syndication and they weren't looking at that to replace TNG because TNG was on. And then when TNG left, they put Voyager on to be like its replacement and they left Deep Space Nine alone and look at all the great things it did. And again, not that Voyager didn't do great things. And even Brian Fuller had pointed out once the confidence built from the executives that the show was doing well and they knew what they were doing, they it seemed like they backed off a little and it got more sci-fi. They got more rich stories as it went on. I think to me, there, there's the most heartbreaking moment from this interview is uh, Brian Fuller talking about when the idea for the year of hell season was rejected. He says, I remember Brown and Braga going over to Rick Berman's office with all of this enthusiasm and coming back broken and his head hanging low and having to break it to the writing staff. What a moment to capture. Eh? And and there's, there's a lot of mythology with regards to Star Trek and the behind the scenes stuff. You know, you hear all the things about the killer bees, right? Rick Berman and Brown and Braga killed Star Trek, according to certain segments of fandom. And, you know, this is just a little tiny glimpse into how that story is more complicated than people think. And, you know, it's, you know, people want to write good Star Trek. That's their job. And I think that's a lesson that we need to take to heart for today's Star Trek as well. People want to write good Star Trek. That's what they're there to do. That's their job. And, you know, regardless of what your opinion might be of how it goes, there's all these different things that come into play to craft what we end up seeing on the screen. More than anything else, this interview is a really fascinating glimpse into that world. So I will definitely link this story and the podcast episode in the show notes to check out as well. Yeah. And this links back to something we talked uh, previously on one of the past episodes and there was a point that I remember thinking after the show that I didn't make during it about episodic television versus something that's serialized and how that's changed over time in the industry. And one of the things is I was talking about the resale of a series into syndication. That's why they prefer episodic. That was one reason, but this just shows back then there was this other reason where there's this fear that if you serialize a show and somebody comes in the middle of it, they're not going to watch it because they'll feel lost. Mm-hmm. Today has changed because now people binge watch. They can see something on TV and go, oh, this is interesting. Go binge watch it and come back. They couldn't do that as much back then. So, again, I think it's just a fear and it's just the style of things at the time. I mean, you can't really blame the executives. They have their job to do, too. But, yeah, it's unfortunate we didn't get the full realization of Voyager like the writers intended to, but I do want to hear that interview. And again, it's inglorious Trek spurts podcast. And like Dan said, he'll put the link out. And, you know, for all we know, that was the right decision for that show for the time. Maybe it would have blown up in their faces and, and those fears would have been realized. So, you know, there's, there's always reasons that decisions are made. We may not always agree with them, but the people making them generally will have, what they feel to be the best interests of whatever they're trying to do at heart. That's a very good point. Absolutely. Year of Hell could have been a full season and people like you and I may have loved it, but a lot of people could have abandoned the show because they didn't like that direction. Ah, yeah, you never know. Well, one thing is I find really interesting, speaking of Trek movie, as I was looking at this article, there's another one before that. And it is about deep fake. I don't know if you've seen these videos where they uh, replace the face of an actor with a different actor in its place from a movie or TV show. 
into the scene. And sometimes they look great. Like, for example, I was watching uh, some videos of the movie Man of Steel where they replace Henry Cavill's face with Tom Welling's face from Smallville. And I want to show my, my daughter this because we're both big Smallville fans. And she's always like, oh, we never really got to see him in the suit, really. And I so want to see him in the suit. Well, here's her chance. That's <laughs> cool. <see> Tom <laughs> Welling from Smallville in the suit. There's an interesting scene here. It's from the end of Star Trek 09, where we see the older Spock talking to the younger Spock by the shuttlecraft. Now, of course, when we watch that scene, the older Spock is played by Leonard Nimoy. The younger Spock is Zachary Quinto. And they replace his face with the younger Nimoy face from the original series. And it's almost flawless. It's pretty terrifying. (laughs) And I say terrifying because this technology to me is terrifying that they can make video of things that never happened. But it looks very good. Like he it's Leonard Nimoy talking to Leonard Nimoy, his younger self. It's crazy. Yeah, it is really crazy. But I I love the fact they can do this. But like you said, it's scary. (laughs) You know, it's getting to a point that when you watch something in a movie, you just don't know what's real and what's not real, you know? And not only that, but like outside of movies, I can see this technology being used for very nefarious purposes that I don't even want to think about right now. Now, we were watching this before we started recording, and Dan, it was your first time watching it. And it was interesting to see your reaction because it's like you're saying, you're like, ooh, wait, what? It looks like him, which is kind of scary, like you're saying. But at the same time, as soon as he speaks, Zachary Quinto's voice comes out of Leonard Nimoy and it's a little off because they don't have the same voice and it just seems weird too. Mhm. Yeah, the definite mismatch in the the face and voice is a little jarring. Uh, Zachary Quinto I think played an excellent Spock, but he does not sound like Leonard Nimoy in the slightest. The scary part is the technology does exist to fake someone's voice if you have enough of a sample of their audio and any actor who's been in a long-running television show or movie, you definitely have enough samples of their voice that they could that someone with that skill set could go in and exchange this and make it Leonard Nimoy's voice, uh, which you know is even more terrifying when it comes to real-world uh, implications of that. But uh, yeah. Now let me ask you this: If this technology existed when Star Trek Nine came out, how would you feel if they had done this? They hire these actors and then they replace their faces with the original actors. Ethically, is that the right thing to do? I mean, to me, it's not. You'd have to get the family and the actors to sign off on that. But we could go down that route. Like we can produce movies, hire actors to play them and replace their faces with the original actors from a past series or movie. I think of the case of Grand Moff Tarkin from Rogue One. That was another example of this technology actually being used in a film. It's possible. It's, I I don't see anything wrong with it as long as you're being upfront about it. You know, there's, it's, it's a film, right? Uh, There's no difference between that really and like animation or something i think as long as as long as everyone's okay with that <laughs> i mean yeah i mean i think it would be cool to sit down and watch a brand new star trek movie and seeing the looks of william shatner Leonard nimoy so on and so forth the whole cast in a new star trek movie even though that's not them in the movie but it looks like you just lifted them from the 1960s and fast forward them into the future to now and filmed a new movie with them which would be awesome which would be cool but at the same time it's like yeah but 
I'm watching a performance that looks like it's William Shatner's performance, but it's not. It's just his face on the performance of another actor. And I get with what you're saying with like Rogue One with Grand Moff Tarkin. That didn't bother me that much. Maybe because it was just that one. It was just that scene or those scenes. It, was, it wasn't like a big role. But if the whole movie was that way, I don't know how I'd feel about that. Because I almost feel like most actors would not appreciate their likeness being used on another actor. No, it's definitely possible. I, I'm kind of of two minds of it because in some ways it does just feel like an extension of animation. And so, for example, we had the Short Trek episode Ephraim and Dot. And in the background of one scene, we get new animation of Kirk and McCoy and Khan, you know, recreated for that scene so but it was those actors still performing the voices though yeah so would this be would this be considered just you know more animation and you have like different voice actors doing their voices or would it be considered what would you consider it I, i don't know it's the definitions are a little blurred at the moment i mean as a fan as somebody watching a movie i think i would enjoy this Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking from the standpoint of an actor. I mean, how would you feel if you were an actor and then you see yourself in a movie, but that's not really you and that's not your performance and something about that performance really irks you because now it looks like you're performing that and you know, you wouldn't do it that way. Yeah, that you would, know? that would, I would not be <laughs> pleased with that for sure. <laughs> so it's a little weird, but anyway, go check it out. Deep fake, uh, go to their YouTube page So the channel on YouTube is Jarkin, J-A-R-K-A-N, and you can go there and you see Deepfake for this scene that we're talking about and a bunch of others from other things, like I said, like Man of Steel and some others in there. And some, there's some in there that are pretty creepy. There was one from Back to the Future where they used Nicolas Cage on Marty McFly's mom. That will freak you out. I've not seen that one. (laughs) I was nodding along (laughs) because I thought it was a a Back to the Future one that I had seen, but I have not seen that. Wow. Yeah. Nicolas Cage as Marty McFly's mom. Mm. No. Mm. No, 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 no. (laughs) And uh, yeah, we'll have links to that channel, of course, and and this video in the show notes as well. Yeah. And speaking of Star Trek videos on YouTube, uh, we're going to talk to someone who's actually done some editing himself on some Star Trek videos. Well, Dan, a few episodes ago, you and I were talking about this uh, thing called Star Trek Intakes, and it's on YouTube from this guy on his uh, channel. It's called Ryan's Edits, and he has continued to make more of these, and they're these little TNG clips that take bloopers and insert them into real scenes from TNG, and I still think they're hilarious. They are the funniest thing. And, and I think like we said in that episode, it's one of those things that like, why didn't we think of this? Like, it's so brilliant and it's so cool. And it seems like such a natural thing to do with these that, uh, it's amazing. They come out so well. I think, uh, my favorite one I talked about was the all good things one with data at the end. I, I still watch that every once in a while and it still just makes me giggle. <laughs> what what does it, what was it that data does that makes you giggle so right just as the final enterprise is about to blow up in the it's creating the static warp shell in the anti-time anomaly data throws his hands over his face and goes Aye! <laughs> just before it blows up and i I still just cry laughing at that. <laughs> I just wanted to get you to do that. That's why I said, what is he I doing again? <laughs> yeah, actually Brent Spiner in, 
in all three of the timelines. I just didn't. I just cut the other two for time. He does the same thing. It's just data going IE over and over again in all three. Every That's time right. Every explodes. I remember oh, that really? from the the gag reel on the on the Blu-rays. That's right. That's awesome. <laughs> That's so cool. So yeah, here we got Ryan who actually edits these. That's why it's called you know Ryan edits. That's his channel. Where did you come up with this idea to start doing this? Someone had just posted on the Star Trek subreddit that first blooper that I did with uh, Jordy and Worf high-fiving yes. and then tightening and straightening their shirts. And I just thought it'd be a funny one-off joke. I, I had some time on my hands with the shutdown. so And then people really liked it and told me to continue. So I did. That's the first one I saw. I remember seeing that until Dan said, oh, wait, now there's more. I, I just remember watching it and thinking, like, I wasn't expecting it to have that i was just like okay this is a scene from tng i don't get it when they high five each other i was like wait i don't remember like what's going on here. very jovial bridge crew I, I love that one because it's it's just so it, it's so seamless like lo- a lot of these you've managed to incorporate very seamlessly but that one i think you know even though it's out of character for them it wouldn't necessarily be completely a blooper for that to be in the actual episode sort of yeah now if i mean of course when we see a blooper or whatever we call them outtakes these are intakes so how would you best describe ryan what these are if somebody were asking you what you were doing they're star trek outtakes that are in the show they're in takes just merge them together and that's the thing it's like you're watching it and it's like a regular scene and you don't think anything is coming up. And then this outtake happens within the scene. And then the scene just continues on as normal. And sometimes I'm watching it like, is there more that's going to happen that's weird? No, it just is the scene. And it's so funny when I see that. So now, how do you, when you, of course, you're probably going through our different, all these different reels of outtakes. How do you know what scenes they came from? Do you know Star Trek TNG that well that you're like, I know what episode that's from? Maybe. Yeah. I look at the scene and I know what I know what scene it's from. And they're also broken up by season, so that helps narrow it down a lot. And they're generally in chronological order from the earliest episodes in the season are at the start of the reel, and the end of the season is at the end of the reel net. That helps as well. But for the most part, I, I can just recognize it. It's pretty like with uh, Dr. Rega and uh, the Corona Shield flies into the sun that's only from one episode mm-hmm. it's a pretty memorable one the Guinan blooper from that episode <laughs> just kills me where I, and I, I won't use the words we'd have to bleep it out if we did but uh yeah did that ferengi something kill himself just such a great line to be coming out of Guinan. <laughs> all all of Guinan's outtakes are like that every single one of them i think i have one or two left of her oh excellent there are some good ones i'm, I'm looking forward to seeing those for sure Oh, so there are more to come. I like that. I'm probably probably halfway done with TNG. Oh, well, see, now I like how you said that. I'm halfway done TNG. Does this mean you're looking to do this with the other Star Trek series? Very To a very limited extent. DS9 and Voyager both have a few outtakes available, but, but very few. And they're very, very poor video quality. So I'm kind of reluctant to use even those that are available. Uh, Enterprise is probably the only one I have any significant number of bloopers for because those are also on the DVD set. Yeah. Um, so I'll probably I'll do Enterprise, and I have like one or two from Voyager, and that's about it. Discovery, I I don't I think there are some, but I don't really want to do it because last time I posted a Discovery video, it got taken down by CBS. 
So no, nothing from the new shows. Those can stay over there. Just the old stuff. Yeah. And I guess you can't really do much with TOS because the quality of those outtake reels. There's one I really want to do with um, from the voyage home. I really want to do it in the, in the uh, very last scene, the courtroom place. I don't know. It's called tribunal, that area where he pleads guilty. I really want to do that. But the, the video pause, it's just so bad. Like his hair, it's not ro- low resolution. His hair looks like one solid object. It just all merges together. There's black spots all over the footage. It's, it's just bad. I'm, re- I'm remembering a few from uh, Deep Space Nine. And again, yeah, the, the videos I've seen online are very low quality, uh, where I think Cisco and Riker are coming out of his office and uh, Cisco trips on the on the threshold. It's one of my favorite bloopers of all time, just mostly because Avery Brooks just starts howling with laughter afterwards. But uh, it's unfortunate it's not up to, you know, DVD quality. So why are the Deep Space Nine and Voyager ones not, uh, or lower quality than TNG when TNG was recorded earlier? Is it that we just have better transfers? The TNG ones, they were officially released with the Blu-ray set, the same resolution as the main show. They actually went through and when they remastered TNG, they apparently uh, got the bloopers as well when they did it. For Voyager and Deep Space Nine, there, as far as I can find, there hasn't been any official reel. It's just recordings of people's TVs when they were broadcast as like specials before episodes. Naturally, that's not quite not quite up to par. People's recordings on VHS even. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think a few of them were lifted from VHS. And I'd heard some of them were even just like uh, cast rap parties and stuff. They would show some bloopers and some of the some of those are sourced from there. I think that's the the TOS ones are originally from that sort of source as well. So I also know, I mean, there's the when you're inserting the outtakes, it's very seamless as it the scene plays. I mean, sometimes you can tell maybe it's inserted because the audio is maybe a little different because, or something or whatever. But I mean, for the most part, it's seamless. Are you adjusting audio or are you even adding background audio to those clips? I try to edit the audio if it's necessary, but some I, I'm not very good at that, at least not yet. Like the uh, one where Picard forgets Riker's name when he's introducing him. That is a very sharp change in the audio quality between Picard's lines when the outtake ends and when the real footage starts. That's probably the biggest example. For the most part, the audio quality matches okay, so I don't worry about it too much, but I try and edit a little bit. Uh, things like bridge audio, background ambience, I do add that back in. Engine sounds, usually just copy a little piece of it from earlier in the clip and the real one, and then just paste it several times in a row until it, because it, it's just engine audio. It, it, People won't notice if it clips over itself a little bit. Pretty monotonous sound. Mostly I just have to edit the brightness and the contrast very slightly and it matches pretty much fine. So when you're uh, when you're editing these, like generally speaking, how long does it take to kind of when you when you pull the blooper off the Blu-ray and find the scene, once you start editing it together, how long does that process take? Um, I have all of the Blu-rays already already ripped, so I have those just in my folder. I can put all the episodes and the Blu-ray and the uh, bloopers together pretty quick like that. When I actually start editing them, it'll well, honestly, that's one of the criteria of how I choose which one I'm going to do next. How long is this going to take me? How much effort is it going to be? Some of them are really quick. Like the last one was maybe I think it was like 20 minutes to do. Um, I can't even remember what the last one was, but it was easy. But like the one I said, Commander Riker. His name being forgotten by Picard, that one took me hours and hours because I was just trying to match the audio quality for so long and it just wasn't working. In the end, I actually just 
basically reverted all the changes, just left it as it was. They just couldn't make it work. Yeah, I, I do remember that one. I, I really enjoy that one because uh, if I remember the original blooper, he does eventually call Riker Brenda. <laughs> so I was kind of waiting for that bit. Yes. but Brendo. Brendo. Okay. <laughs> and uh, I, I noticed you cut slightly before that, which actually made it seem more realistic in a way and like lifted right from an episode. Yeah. I usually cut all the people laughing, people making obvious jokes. They just want to make it see like it could be in the show. I actually want to take an episode and insert one of your intakes into the episode and like play it for a friend. And we're just watching on a whole episode. And then just somewhere in the middle, there's this little moment. Something's like, a little off. Wait, wait, wait. Did, did Riker just say that? Like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> they'd really catch them off guard. I think another favorite of mine too is after, uh, I think it's from the episode cost of living where they destroy an asteroid. And then, <laughs> garden riker go back to their seats and hold each other's hands and grin i think that was the cutest one that i think is one of my favorite ones <laughs> yeah that's definitely a favorite because <laughs> it's so out of character it's frakes and stewart they love each other <laughs> yes love it ryan do you have any other favorites of yours uh the one with data going ie i think is pretty good <laughs> it was even low effort to make because all the shaking and the camera was already there so i had to slip it in and it works didn't have to change the audio, just overlays. Have you ever thought of doing this for anything else besides Star Trek? Uh, I've been asked before. Some people have pointed out like a Firefly blooper I might want to do. But for the for now, at least, I'm not planning on it. Maybe if I run out of Star Trek later. But I may also just stop the channel if I run out of Star Trek. I'm, I'm, I haven't decided. Well, how did you even get... Obviously, you're a fan of Star Trek. How did you get into Star Trek? That was because I'm... Uh, obsessive i'd seen bits of what i later learned was star trek insurrection on tv just little bits and pieces of it but i never saw the beginning i never saw the ending i never saw more than a few minutes at a time so i had no idea what the proper story was and it was really bugging me because i kept seeing it on tv so i sat down with netflix and i started episode one of tng because that's all i knew about it. it was in tng somewhere i watched it all the way through oh wow then I realized it wasn't even an episode of the show. I didn't have to watch seven seasons of Star Trek. Oh my gosh. So you're like, you're really thinking, okay, this is an episode and I want to know where it is. So I'm going to watch the whole series till I get to it. And you did. Yeah, it, it was really bugging me. I didn't know enough about it to search for it. I just knew Picard and Data were in it. And that was really it. And there's a scene on a lake where he walks into the water. Oh, that's amazing. I honestly think like of all the Star Trek fan origin stories I've ever heard, that is now my favorite. Like, that's amazing. Yeah. So then, of course, when you were done, you had to think, oh, why wasn't this in there? Oh, maybe it's a movie. So did you watch then the four TNG movies? Yeah. I think at that point, I looked up synopsis of the movies and realized which one it was. But I, I just watched them in order. But now have... So that was your... That was your introduction to Star Trek, but then did you go back and watch other series and movies? Oh yeah, I've seen them all. I just ended up really liking the show. If I if I hadn't liked it, I probably would have stopped after the first season. But turned out Star Trek is just really good, so I just watched all of it except the animated series. Oh, you'll have to do that. That's the last one for me. That's so cool. I never heard of anybody who saw Star Trek Insurrection, and that's what got them into Star Trek. Not not that's not a dig at the movie. It's just that's the first I've talked to anyone who said. That one got them into it. So that's pretty cool. That's yeah, a good movie. But it wasn't so much that you were, I mean, it kind of got you into it, but it just made you curious. I mean, I liked it. I just wish you could find a blooper for that. Uh, do a whole insurrection blooper reel. Maybe I can find that scene with Quark that was cut and put that in. Oh, yeah. Yep. 
Absolutely. Wouldn't be so much a blooper, but I, it counts as an edit. It would fit on the channel. Yeah, I think so. So that initial edit that got posted, I I've, I've saw that kind of passed around all over the place. Did you notice a specific time when like, there was a bump in popularity when people really started finding these and sharing them around? Uh, not really. It seemed to be pretty much immediate, at least maybe like the first day. It, everyone just saw it probably a week later when I finished four or five, because I was doing them pretty quick then because everything was shut down. So I had the time probably after the first four or five, that's when people started covering it on like Trek movie. And it's like, we got this covered. I've never even heard of them. They're the next biggest source. Nice. Uh, that's when people started covering it for the most part. It's been pretty, pretty steady. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you hit like something here because everyone I've shown this to every Star Trek fan has just thought this was the funniest thing ever. And, you know, there's, there's something about seeing these characters who are normally so like staid and professional kind of acting in this fun manner. And especially when it's in the context of an actual show that they may have seen, you know, four or five, 10 times and be intimately familiar with that to see a, a different take on it. Like your most recent one, I think was from cause and effect with data going kind of bug eyed when he realizes the, the time loop. Yeah. <laughs> it's so great to see data just you know knocked off his rocker a little bit by that <laughs> feeling emotion sooner than anticipated so if anybody wants to watch these i guess they just go to youtube and search ryan's edits right yeah ryan's edits star trek intakes star trek bloopers will probably come up and i know she got another playlist called star trek bridge crew myths and mechanics what's that about i haven't watched those yet Th those aren't really videos intended for people to just sit and watch that was when because i originally as I said earlier, this was just supposed to be like a one-off joke when someone posted that first blooper. So this wasn't my main channel. This My main channel was about uh, doing upscales of old game cinematics with machine learning. So this was just going to be a one-off thing. I didn't want to post it to the main thing because it wasn't related. So the Star Trek Bridge Crew stuff is just I was playing Star Trek Bridge Crew and people have some really weird ideas about how the game mechanics work in that. So I just made quick little videos showing each thing. I don't even, I don't talk about it. I just go through and do the thing and write on screen what's happening it was just intended as a supplement to a written post i was making so like if you don't believe me here's what i've written here's a video proving my point well i can't wait to see more of these um i'm looking forward it's good to know that you're still doing some more because i'm having a lot of fun with them and watching them and, and i'm glad that you're doing them and i'm so glad that you were able to join us so thank you for coming here on the show and keep editing editing today in fact oh star trek voyager Oh, very cool. So do they come out on a specific time each week generally? Or I, I noticed that they've been about one a week for the last little while. Yeah, one a week. I was doing Saturday at 8 and I just switched to Friday at about 1030 Pacific. So fr Friday morning, early afternoon, depending on where you are. We'll definitely keep our eye out for more of those then. So we'd love to hear any feedback that you guys have on Star Trek intakes. Uh, let us know what you think. Go to Ryan's edits, watch the videos, and contact us and let us know what you think. You can reach us on Twitter at Positively Trek. Uh, we have our Facebook group. You can do it there. Just search for Positively Trek on Facebook and you'll find the group there. And you can join us there and put your thoughts and comments in there. Or you can email us at PositivelyTrek at gmail.com. And Dan, where can people find you online? Well, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Kurtrats, K-E-R-T-R-A-T-S. You can also find me on YouTube.com slash Productions. I've got a channel there talking mostly about Star Trek and sometimes doing live shows on Friday nights with Bruce and Brandy, which has been a lot of fun. 
And Bruce, how about you? Where can we find you? I'm on Twitter at Admiral underscore Rex. You can find me on Instagram at Admiral Rex, no underscore. It's a long story behind that. And uh, you can also find me with Dan on Literary Tracks. And I also can find me occasionally on the Star Wars Report. So thanks, everyone, for joining us. And we'll see you next week here on Positively Track. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.